flashy light is flashing for record? I have flashy light is flashing. I have uh, output volume, so we are good cool. to go. Welcome to episode 100 of the False Neutral Podcast. I'm Pete. Eric and Garrett are with me as always. It's been kind of a wild ride. So uh, what have you guys been up to as you've been uh, either sequestered at home or uh, on the front lines? Yeah, I haven't been as productive as I would like to be just considering I am working, uh, you know, at the hospital quite a lot. And, you know, also not that I'm working more hours, but it's pretty exhausting work these days. So, um, but I have gotten a few things done with the motorcycles. Um, so one thing that I was, uh, really excited to do was get new tires on my FC one. Uh, and while I was at it, I powder coated the wheels but the, the, my tire situation. So I had these like continental kind of touring tires on the FC one and, um, they were like marbles. I mean, just really not a very safe tire for the type of riding that I do. So I numerous times would, uh, accelerate out of a corner and the rear tire would slip. So it would kick the back end out a little bit. And I never obviously have gone down on it, but you know, the, the rear tire breaking traction on a, in a corner was not something I really like to experience. So I got some Dunlop Q3 pluses for it. Um, they're the same tires that my friend has been running on his Aprilia, uh, his Tuano. And I really like the tire and they're not terribly expensive. So I got a set of those and the original wheels were gold, which I wasn't really a huge fan of it. Just kind of reminded me of like a stanced Miata kind of. <laughs> I just like the gold is just it just wasn't my style. So I wanted it a little more subtle. So I ended up powder coating the wheels just gloss black. It's kind of like what everybody has these days. But um, remarkably, I feel like the motorcycle it must have shaved eight years off of its look with the new powder coated wheels and new tires. And this motorcycle has been kept in really good condition and the pictures really don't do it justice, but looking at the motorcycle in person, it looks like it could be on the showroom floor. There is not a scratch on it. It's all buffed and shiny. And I haven't yet got to test these new tires, but soon enough, I'm sure. I have to say that between the, the naked, you know, uh, losing the fairing on it, the, the wheels, the gold forks. Yeah. The sport cover over the mm-hmm. passenger seat. I've never been a huge, I mean, I haven't disliked them, but I've never really paid attention to them, but that yeah. is one really nice looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a neat looking motorcycle. I really yeah, like your bike. It's uh, you know, for an FC one, it's, you know, that's really a sport touring motorcycle. And, you know, People have done these conversions to make them into the naked bike. Um, but between, yeah, I mean, like that, the cowl over the seat, 
the the wheels and the Yoshimura exhaust. It just it doesn't look like an FC one to me anymore. No, no, it just looks like a, a super naked or a you know sport naked. So right. it looks like the MT MT ten just like yeah. the previous generation now. It, right, you know, right. Except better. Except it looks better. Oh yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> much better. Um, and then the other thing that I did, and you you can see it in this uh, picture, uh, you guys and those listening will be able to see it um, either on my Instagram or on our Facebook page. But the seat I had redone, like I was talking about um, on our last episode, I wanted to have the seat reupholstered, so I did. And um, oh yeah, so it had, a, it had a Corbin seat on it, and and the the material like the leather or pleather, whatever it was, was really slippery, but also the foam was hard as a rock. So I had um, three quarters of an inch of softer foam added to it and a different type of material put on to cover the seat. So hopefully it's more comfortable for long distance rides. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to try that out too. The old seat was just horrific. I couldn't stand sitting on it for more than an hour and a half. So... Yeah, so the FC1 got a little revamp. Um, I was rebuilding a friend's Yamaha Banshee engine, and uh, I got that finished. I don't remember where I was at with it on our last... I'm not even sure I was working on it yet on our last podcast, but um, yeah, I was. So I had to rebuild the crankshaft, so um, it just wasn't in great shape. So um, rebuilt the crankshaft, put new pistons in it, did the bores... Um, put a new clutch in it and just kind of rebuild the whole thing. So that was just a, you know, pro bono project. I, um, he's a good friend and he helps me with a lot of stuff. So I just went ahead and rebuilt his engine for him. So I finished that up, which was kind of a challenge just cause I've been so busy and have wanted to work on other projects. So, uh, it took a little while, but you know, I guess, um, he can't go write it anyways. So it's not like it really matters cause everybody's in quarantine. So. So uh, you are, where you are, is it shelter in place? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. here it's it's stay at home. So, I mean, uh, you probably can't hear it, but I'm, you know, 200 yards from Woodward Avenue and I can hear people on motorcycles and in their cars ripping up and down the street. So, yeah, I mean, here we're not supposed to leave the house, but people do and they're not really enforcing it. So long as you're not like in crowds, you know, so I could go ride my motorcycle, and if I'm riding by myself, I'm at no risk to myself or the general population riding. Um, but it would be, you know, ill-advisable to go to the store or anything else unless you really need something desperately. So, Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I was able to do is I took uh, both of my kids on their first little motorcycle ride just around my property on my CT70, one of them. I... Uh, fired it up and just put it around the yard with both of my sons and they are absolutely in love with the trail 70 <laughs> and it was pretty funny my little three-year-old he was just like holding on as tight as he could and we just put around you know at like three miles an hour around the yard and he just had a blast on it so now awesome. every day it's like can we ride can we ride can we ride so yes yes they're getting pretty yes. excited about it <laughs> which is pretty cool so, yeah, I've had fun tootling around on my Trail 70. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 
So Pete, you've you had guys? some you've had some adventures, both bad and then turns out okay, and then continued progress. Yeah, on the Aramaki frame that is kind of my second project. Uh, it had like trailer wheel ball bearings mm. in in the steering head, and so I I knocked them out. For Boltakenstein, I accidentally bought forks a year too new. I wanted 82 uh, GS750 forks, and I bought 83 that are two millimeters bigger instead of 35 to 37s. So they were laying in the corner, and I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and buy the the steering stem and triple clamps and, and see if I can make this work. Well, in doing that, I had bought some tapered roller bearings, and uh, I was inserting them. It was actually sitting on a nice sturdy wood table but it was it was not tight down at all and i bent down and when i got up bumped the rear loop it was one of those no in slow motion i was uh grabbing for it and the thing just went up enough that the center of gravity tipped over and landed right on the bottom front of the steering stem or the steering tube the neck mm-hmm. and just pushed it in. I was just heart sick. I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, because this is, this is fairly thick, you know, at least quarter inch thick steel. And I thought, oh, this was really pushed in and flattened. And I thought, how am I going to do this? Well, I don't have an acetylene torch and I don't have a hydraulic shop press or anything like that. I was like, how mm-hmm. am I going to do this? So I, posted some stuff to the Aramaki Facebook group and I posted something on the uh, uh, ADV Rider forum. And one of the ADV Rider guys said, you can do this as a cold repair. He said, just knock it out. You don't need to heat it. You don't need to machine it. You can you can push this back. Steel is really elastic. So I was thinking, how am I going to do it? So well, I had a big huge chunk of scrap steel, just a Big round chunk of it that was probably uh, four inches in diameter. Oh, yeah. And it took me forever, but I hogged it down to the outside diameter of the of the race that taps in. Mm-hmm. And then had an additional part that was the exact diameter or, you know, a, a, a tight slip fit into the center of the tube, which was a little bit wider because they had you know, machined it away for the races. And then I just kind of ground a little ramp on one side where the dent was so that it wouldn't Mm -hmm. just hit the lip. It'll have a little ramp to push it out. Yeah. There's a little piece of plate welded there for the steering stop. And I used that and kind of ground away a channel so that it would stay indexed there so it couldn't rotate. And put it all together, got out my... I think it's like a 900 foot pound, uh, pneumatic, uh, impact wrench and some couple of big plates and some, uh, all thread and just hit it as much as I could. And it would go in about two thirds of the way and stop. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't get it. And I struggled with it. I finally said, okay, I got nothing to lose at this point. So I turned it upside down. Balanced it between my legs with a a big wooden board under the neck and just got out my sledgehammer, very carefully tried to get it positioned, and then just gave it about three really good whacks and pushed right in. 
and knocked it out. I took a grinder to it for about 10 or 15 seconds just to smooth out the little lip that was a little bit mm-hmm. curled. And uh, then the impact wrench would push the mandrel that I had lathed up all the way in. I'm like, okay, I'm yeah. good. So then I put it back on the lathe, turned the diameter that had been the inside that was a little bit narrower, turned that down even more so that I could actually just slip the race on there. So I put that on there, used the impact wrench, pushed the race in, mm-hmm. hit it with a sledgehammer just to make sure it was nice and square and seated, and and we're golden. Yeah. Uh, I put it all together, checked it with a bore gauge, and it's perfectly round, assembled it all, and the bearings turn was real smoothly. So That was a good idea for how you did that repair. It sounds like yes. it worked out really well. I wouldn't have even thought about that. Necessity is a mother. You know, it's interesting because um, – when that happened on our internal um, uh, Slack chat, you you had posted pictures, and I could tell you were just livid. Yeah, you. Yeah. Were, I mean, you were absolutely livid. Well, this yeah. went from. Went I from, knew. I knew the feeling that you felt at that moment because we've all been there. <laughs> it, well, I was having a really hard time getting the bottom bearing race. I destroyed the bottom bearing off of the Suzuki triple clamps, and this was on there. It was so tight on there that there was no way this was going to come off without just mangling it. So I did end up going out to Harbor Freight and spent $125, $135 on a on a 12-ton press, mm-hmm. just so I have one now. Yeah. And trying to figure out how to position it in there so I could press it off was really hard. I ended up mm-hmm. taking a die grinder or a, my cutoff wheel and making like two slots in either side of it. Right. And then made a out a quarter inch steel made a s- kind of a tuning fork that I could push on there and press yeah. it off. And that came off really well. Obviously not the first time that this had been replaced though, because underneath <laughs> the bearing, it was somebody had taken a chisel to this thing and then just <laughs> filed it down, which explains why that was on so darn tight. So, mm. but now I need to find somebody with a, uh, at least a 10 inch lathe, I need to just turn down the bottom portion of it from 30 millimeters to 28 millimeters. But yeah. I, but I, I have an eight inch lathe and it's a good, almost exactly 10 inches wide mm. where the, where the triple clamp is. So yeah. last time I had this done with Will Talkenstein eight years ago, the local machine shop charged me $140. Goodness. I was like, um, I'm not doing that again. So, um, yeah. I'm trying to think out. How I can maybe rig up some kind of an extension so it hangs off the bed of my lathe with a half inch bar and tap it so that I could screw it in to the top of, you know, the steering stem where it's threaded. But I'd need to rig up some kind of a steady rest or some kind of a support that I could index and get it perfect all the way at the other end of the bed. I don't know that that's not the, the main focus right now. I got to the point where I, in order to push it around, I found out that a 1982 GPZ 750 triple trees have a 28 millimeter bearing at the bottom already. So it was like, oh, this will just slip on. And it mm-hmm. does, but I lose about half an inch of trail because it was originally designed for a 19 inch wheel. So it would be really sketchy handling with it, but I have wheels on it. I have forks on it. Uh, the front wheel isn't spaced quite right because the, fork width on the KZ 
triple clamps are is different than the one I'm going to use. So I didn't bother making up spacers that fit it, but I can roll it around the shop, park it out of the way. So I've done everything I wanted to do there. Uh, I did post a picture of it on the Aramaki Facebook group and was convinced that I was going to, you know, between the bandit wheels and the Ducati engine, it was going to be kicked off the forum. Yeah. But everybody was like, Oh, you're starting with a bare frame. That's a really cool idea. I want to see that done. So I got a lot of positive responses to the, to the idea for the project. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I'm really glad you got that headstone fixed up. Bultakenstein's rear motor mounts are at the welder right now. I got to the point where I was like, do I want to try and weld these? Do I want to try and, you know, TIG braze them? And I was like, they're holding the engine in the frame. Just go take them down to my buddy Larry and have him weld them up. He's going to charge me 35 bucks. Oh, yeah, you can't beat that. I was like, yeah, fine. So he's got them right now, and I'm getting the good guy rate, so I got to wait till he actually has an opportunity to do them. I told him no hurry. Yeah. So the first set of motor mounts you made, they were just a little too short, right? And then you had to make a new set. Well, I actually had a a local company. I found a place that does laser cutting uh-huh. locally. Uh, they're, you know, 30 miles outside of town, but sent them a AutoCAD file. And like mm-hmm. three days later, they sent them me the upper mounts. And those are the ones that are uh, completely surround the tube. They're actually yeah. uh, captive. So. Right. That's what it's hanging off of. The ones on the bottom, I, I knew I was going to have to file them to get them just right so that everything would line up. So those don't yeah. go all the way around. They're just little stubs that come up. Yeah. And yeah, I started out with a, with a hardboard template that was like, yep, this is great. For some reason, I don't know why, but I used that template, cut out new ones, bolted them up, and they're like a millimeter and a half short. <laughs> and I was like, how the, how did I do that? So. Yeah. <laughs> After putting all that time and work into it. A company called ChopSource, same people that made my my jig. You can Uh buy these little, I think they're six-gauge pre-cut little mounting tabs, you know, frame Mm -hmm. tabs. And then you just cut them to size. And I just had to make sure I cut them with a hole saw that was one inch and a quarter so that it was the right arc to it. Which is why I screwed the other one up, is I measured them, I put them in the drill press. Cut them out. And of course, had to do both of them thinking, I'll just bolt them both together so that, you know, I make sure they're both exactly the same length. Yeah, they were the same. Wrong line. So, (laughs) but that's done. Uh, I'm kind of the point where I'm going to have to start splitting crankcases pretty soon. So, I mean, the last step I want to do is make sure that the chain run is correct. And after that, I start working on the engine. So, yeah. Nice. Very nice. cool. Have you had any extra time to work on this stuff, being working from home and just, you know, not having your commute and everything else? Or are you finding that you don't want to work on your stuff at home? No, no. I've, I've actually, I have managed to do more. Uh, my commute's normally about 20 minutes. So that's 40 minutes of the day that I don't have. Yeah. And uh, I get 45 minutes for lunch. So, you know, right. without cheating my employer out of anything... I can run to the kitchen, you know, slap some sliced chicken on bread, wolf it down and go downstairs for 40 minutes and, uh, you know, change into my grubbies real quick, go downstairs, work, 
mm-hmm. run back upstairs, switch clothes again. So I'm clean enough for the upstairs. And yeah. so, yeah, it, it's actually been, been good. A lot going on at work right now, surprisingly, because yeah. I'm not inundated by requests from salesmen and stuff like that. So there's been a lot of projects that have been on the back burner for like six to eight months that are yeah. now my boss is like, Hey, knock these out. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And Eric. Surprise, surprise. I actually went out in the garage and did some work. Yeah. I saw your pictures. <laughs> you posted them on our Facebook feed. I ordered some brass discs or whatever you want to call them uh, from Amazon about a month or so ago. Thinking, all right, well, because I'd started to clean up some of the parts and it was just, it was slow going with hand doing. I'm like, well, why don't I just attach it to the end of my cordless drill and make fast work of it? And it literally went from taking me, I don't know, 45 minutes on stuff to like 45 minutes to get it all cleaned up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, wow, I made more progress than expected. And then uh, I made a comment on Facebook and I said, yeah, now I got to go buy some valve lapping compound. And someone that I know is part of this motorcycle group that originally started in Chicago and has spread out just because everyone's moved over the last 20 years. Um, he's like, he lives down next town down from me in Ferndale. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm like at my parents or whatever, but uh, I left some valve lapping compound on the back porch. Just go pick it up. So I've got it. It's in the garage. I just got to clean up the valves a little bit before I start it and I'll drop them in and start lapping the valves on it and start reassembling. Cause I got the new uh, valve keepers. Those are sitting in there and yeah, to start re it's time to start reassembling everything. I've got the rings I got to put on the, on the piston. So um, it's been, it's actually been reasonable here. It's unusual for this early in April, but um, yeah, if it keeps staying like this and, and it's daylight till eight o'clock. So um, yeah, I might actually get some work done here. Yeah. And that motorcycle doesn't have a lot of miles on it. Does it? A thousand and twelve original miles. Yeah. So I'm sure the pistons are in great shape. Just yeah. you know. Are the cylinder bores like in okay shape? Yeah, they look they look they look really good, but I'm just gonna run yeah. a hone through it real quick just yeah. to clean up anything that was in there. I mean there's some minor ridge you can kinda see and feel in there just from you know, it's sitting at one point for probably twenty years yeah. and not turning over. So that's why really why the only reason why I want to run a hone through it is just to to clean that up a little bit. Um yeah. you know, I got some transmission fluid in a in a you know one liter water bottle or whatever, not your half a liter water bottle and I'll just make up a, you know, yep. pseudo squirt thing and just run it, run the hone through there four, five, six times and yeah. call it good. Cool. Yeah, the only thing I'm like, okay, well, I don't have a uh, a piston ring compressor, so putting the cylinder back over the pistons with the rings might be a little challenging. But nah, I think yeah, I you'll be fine doing it with your fingers. I've only ever used my fingers putting pistons and cylinders. It's harder on the four stroke with the oil scraper rings, yeah. but you'll yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah I'm um, not not too worried about it. So yeah, and then is just, that a a single cam? Or yep. a dual cam, single it's cam. A sing, it's a single cam, so yeah, I'm just. Well, that makes just, it a little easier. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's been a long time since I've had to, you know, pull the chain up through a cylinder and make yeah. sure that the cam's timed right and everything. But yeah. I mean, like you say, I won't. Hopefully, happen, it so. just has dummy marks on it where you can just like, you know, set the dummy marks where they go, and I, then. I seem to recall that it does. It's been an. A, a, it's been a little bit since I actually paid attention when I was looking looking at it, but yeah, so it shouldn't be too bad. I mean, it literally is. If it wasn't for this, I could literally call my buddy and and we could probably get it together in like six hours and 
So I just I'll, I'll I'll just get to it. And besides, it'll be good for me to do something on my own for a while. So kind of excited about that. And um, then then of course you got to call my insurance agent and say, oh hey, I might need insurance, but then the DMV might not be open to go get plates on it because it hasn't been plated in three or four years at this point. So. Yeah. yeah, you know that's a good point. I thought about that when I was doing my FC one. I, um, I took the t- I got the tires taken off, and at that point, I don't think we were like in lockdown. But then it like things started escalating, and it occurred to me that I might have like just screwed myself with my FC one and like taken the tires off, but not be able to get tires put back on it, and then it just like be sitting kind of precariously without wheels on the motorcycle. I was glad that I was able to get that all finished up without any issues because, you know, so many places are shut down right now. But yeah. I actually am going to go tomorrow morning to the local Can-Am dealer to have Sarah's spider inspected so we can renew the tags. Yeah. And I called him up. I'm like, can I do that? And he's like, yep, we're here. Yeah. Okay. That's thing that i experienced at my dealership here is there is nobody there so like i went there to drop off my motorcycle wheels and i was like the only customer in the store which made me feel a little bit more comfortable being there so they let me just kind of like drop them off on the side and so that, i didn't have to really go in but since since the day gig is is actually working with car dealers all over the country um you know there's some interesting state laws that we're dealing with that just here and there. So like in Nevada and in Colorado right now, when people are like from the sales side, the door has to be locked. Yeah. And if someone is coming, they have to call ahead and knock and then they can be let in. Service is kind of open, but again, they're, you know, kind of, they're asking, but what most of them are doing or, and what we've been working with our clients on is, uh, is, is pickup and delivery. Yeah. Uh, so people don't even have to leave their house. And then, you know, there's a whole thing of like cleaning it when they pick it up, like clean it when they drop off and stuff yeah. like that. So it's, it's pretty crazy. But, you know, some of the car dealers anyways are doing not great, not even mm-hmm. OK, but, you know, enough to keep people employed and the lights on. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's is, rough. Is there any chance at all Harley Davidson can survive this? Like, is there even a remote chance that Harley Davidson can survive you know, there was something interesting that working with Harley people, you know, uh, we supply lights to Harleys. Uh, one of the guys that works with them commented that when they stopped production, that was actually a really good thing because they yeah. had enough in the pipeline that they probably didn't need to produce any and mm-hmm. probably needed to slim down. But if they had done that, in normal circumstances, it would have really spooked investors and Wall Street. And now they could say, oh, no, it's COVID. Right. Uh, it's COVID-19. Yeah, uh, yeah we're sending everybody home. That. And it was probably not a horrible thing. So Yeah, I thought about that. But I also wondered how many people are buying motorcycles right now, too. So many people out of work. That- that's more the interesting thing and, and something we've been not only we've been talking about it internally and with clients, but on some analyst calls I've been on. What normally when you come back out of a recession or some kind of economic issue, luxury goods actually pick up first. Yeah. Where what we're what's being predicted now is luxury will be a trailing item and motorcycles being literally really not only just a luxury, but, a you know, a, a 
non-important issue, you know, yeah. sort of a, a fun discretionary a spending. Discretionary. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. Discretionary that it could be, it could almost look like coming out of 08, 09 again for the motorcycle industry. Yeah. Right. Pretty interesting coming out. Of, and again, it all depends on how long it lasts. Right. right. And, and how many small businesses end up collapsing off of yeah. all of this. So, well, I think that in Washington, we apparently peaked around um, late March. They're determining sort of like our curve is flattening over here, which is good. Um, and, and, it, and it feels that way in the hospital, too. The numbers of people that are coming in with respiratory symptoms are kind of decreasing. So I'm hopeful that things are starting to improve and we can kind of get back to some normalcy and ride in motorcycles and, you know, being yeah. able to go to our dealerships without, you know. Yeah. By, gear, by the way, so. I. I hate to do this, but I will say this just because it is an industry we both we all love. But my company, if you're if you're a motorcycle or power sports dealer and you had questions on how to deal with things now or how to come out of it, get a hold of me. Um, we are absolutely here to help and help people keep people employed and keep businesses open and running. So even if it's not a formal agreement, we're we'll, we're willing to help out right now. So, yeah. you know, I was just looking at earlier today at power sports business, their digital version of their magazine. Mm-hmm. What they had an article on is how bad service has been. The, the amount of service income that dealers have lost in the last month yeah. has been incredible because nobody is taking their bike in for service. Right. They may be getting out on their bike if they've got a bike that runs, but nobody's taking a bike that needs service and going through, you know, jumping through the hoops to get it to a dealer. And that's, right. that's tough. I got to say the, the thing I'm really impressed with that I really wish I could go up there and talk to them, but I'm, I'm really impressed with, um, the, the Ducati dealer literally a mile up the street from me, Ducati Detroit. Every week they are sending out email blasts saying, we're open for service. I mean, we'll we'll sell you something too, but we are open for service. And with, if you're within 40 miles, we will come and pick up your bike. Um, wow. You know, we'll pick up and delivery. And and again, that's what we've been doing with our car with our car dealers. But that is any again any any power sports dealer that's listening to this. That is going to be key for you keeping your service people busy and keep them employed and keeping that door open. Um, pickup and delivery and, and making sure that everyone knows that you're, A, you're open and B, you will do pickup and delivery. That'll be, that'll make a huge, huge difference. Yeah. I, uh, got a, a notice from Cycle Trader and there's a dealer that's, they're not real close. They're maybe 185, 200 miles away. And they have a Suzuki GSX 250R ABS version, the blue and white one that I like. Mm hmm. And they're normally forty eight ninety nine, forty seven ninety nine, something like that. They had marked it down to thirty nine ninety nine about a month, six weeks ago, something like that. So I went ahead and flagged it and saved it. I just got an email that they dropped it to thirty six ninety nine. So that's that's like three quarters of the MSRP, which <laughs> kind of it's such an unsure time. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did find out that it our our sewer repair that I told you guys about last time uh, ended up costing us about four grand. So yeah, that was uh unplanned expense. <laughs> yeah. So it was, so we've had a big cash outlay. Uh, we're both working, but don't know what's going to happen in the short term, mm-hmm. medium term, long term. Our 401ks took a huge hit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't need it. 
Sarah would like me to not have it. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of, uh, sounds like the decision is made. (laughs) Yeah. But it's like, Oh, I I told her, I I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm going to just have to un log out and unsubscribe and unsave everything that's on cycle trade because it's just going to break my heart. Why am I doing this to myself? I, I feel you on that one because on, um, the F1 Aprilia forum, Someone, I think it was an even in Indianapolis, so that's, I don't know, five hours away from me, had a 2010 or 2011 V4 Tuano. It had a bunch of miles. I'm going to say it was like either 22 or 26,000 miles, mm-hmm. but they only wanted like $4,600 for it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, I do have that money in the bank, but yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh-huh. That'd be the. That'd be one of the dumbest. I might be divorced by the time that bike came right. back home. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, also, we, on on the flip side, I have to say that Sarah's been very understanding about me buying uh, a hydraulic press and going out on eBay and buying triple clamps and wheels and tires and all the things that I've been wanting for my workshop. I've pretty much had carte blanche to do. Now, that's not a thousands of dollars expense every week but you know i'm taking whatever extra i have after i pay the bills and take care of the household expenses she's like yeah you can you can you can spend that on the shop so realistically if i had thirty six hundred dollars in my hand would i spend it on yet something else that i don't have room for or would i spend it on finishing the things that you know i've had eight and a half years invested in a project it would be nice to finish it i probably should hold on to that cash anyways so yeah yeah yep Sorry, just a random thought that I just had, but I was, uh, I've been working with one of the nurses on my unit, um, and he's a guy in his thirties. And I just discovered yesterday that he has a fully restored 1970 Honda Trail 70 in the like ruby red color. Ah. And so I have a 1970 CT 70 in sapphire blue. Um, so we're going to start an ICU mini bike gang here pretty soon <laughs> once the quarantine is lifted. So nice. I'm pretty excited about that. Nice. Yeah. You know, there are, there are a lot of places in the country where even under lockdown that you are allowed to get out and ride your motorcycle. Yeah. And I've been here. If I want to go out and ride my bike, I can, but I'm thinking this would be a really, really bad time to show up at an ER with traumatic yeah. injuries. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually not entirely true because our emergency rooms, the censuses are down tremendously because nobody is coming to the emergency room for the, well, you know, my tummy hurts and it could be nothing right kind of thing. So people are coming in like only if they're dying. So the censuses are very low. Now, you risk exposing yourself to coronavirus. However, That's what I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you'll probably be fine. <laughs> you probably won't get it in the ED. Um, and you'll get uh, very good access to emergency care right now. So I will say that. I mean, don't don't seek out the emergency <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, say that. <laughs> there are some things going in your favor if you do have to go there. It's generally not something you like even under the <laughs> best of circumstances. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to, to swap or, or to change directions a little bit. Have you guys watched the, uh, the 44 teeth? They finally got the, the budget yeah. bike battle to Spain going and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Been... I watched the episode two. I think I watched it yesterday or the day before. And yeah. So 
all that they went through to get that Suzuki running. And it's pretty funny because, you know, that's just kind of the joke of the episode is how much money and time and effort was put into that Suzuki to make it work. Yep. And it doesn't even have a kickstand. (laughs) (laughs) He's always having to lean it against a wall and they stop somewhere. And then and then they're in in um, in Spain. They just get into Spain and they're ripping on some of these back roads and having a good time. And all of a sudden his front brakes lock up. Yeah. On, yep. on the Suzuki. So, yeah. Uh, and then the preview for the next one is he's on track, or actually it was the end of the, this episode. They go on track for the first time, and he's one lap in, and then he has no front brakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one lap in. One lap, yep. Yep. That Suzuki is quite the beater. And, and then the other one I would say is Missenden Flyer has been, uh, obviously he tested it before all this the, this was going on because the UK is in hardcore lockdown right now. Yeah. Um, but he had the, uh, the new Triumph rocket and he, he apparently is having a, a riot on that thing. Yeah. I yeah. tell you, it, it's expensive and it's way heavy and it's huge, but looks like fun. It just looks like they did a really good job. If you're going to go, go all the way, you know, that's. Right. Um, I don't know how much you're into British bikes, but are you familiar with the, the BSA and Triumph, uh, 350 twins that almost went into production in like 1971, right when BSA and Triumph just basically, Cratered. yeah, they, in 18 months, they came out with the oil and frame, uh, Bonneville and BSA twins. They restyled the Rocket 3, and they came out with this double overhead cam 350 twin that was supposed to be the move into the modern era for them, supposedly going to be their Honda beater. And they got to the point where they were actually producing some of the parts for production. They had Mm -hmm. built some prototypes. They had built pre-production bikes. They had like castings for heads and stuff already being shipped to the factory when the bank basically pulled the plug and everything collapsed. Well, there's a guy by the name of Angus D. Campbell, who's a Brit, and he has a YouTube channel where he is restoring all the 1971 BSAs. He's got a 71650, a 71, actually a... A75, which was the, a very rare 750cc version of the BSA twin. Mm. They have, he's got a 71 BSA triple and he's got three of these 350 twins. He's got the Triumph version, which was the bandit. He's got the actual pre-production non-running show bike. There's no internals in the engine, but it was the one pre-production bike that they showed at, I think it was the Earl's Court show in in late 1970 to introduce it. He's actually got that bike and he is building out of parts that he has tracked down an entire, uh, BSA Fury 350 SS from pre-production parts, wow. frame, head wow. cases, and, and everything that is not available. He's, he's, he's making now a lot of the stuff like the forks and the wheels and the ignition switch and everything are all standard BSA parts. Mm-hmm. Search for Angus Campbell on uh, YouTube. Some of his stuff is really fascinating. Some of it is not. Some of it is, here, I'm going to snip the bullets off of the end of these wires and put spade connectors on them. And that's a, that's a 15 minute video. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, so they're really hit and miss, but there's, 
there's starting like last year, he did an introduction to the BSA and the stuff that he's doing. Like he's got one head that's cast, but not fully machined. So he borrowed a head from somebody else that had a bike and he's taking that with his unfinished one to a machine shop and saying, make this one look like that one. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating stuff. So, and he knows every little nuance of what was pre-production, what was planned for production, everything. So it, yeah, it's a lot of work. That stuff is very interesting. Yeah. That's, that's dedication. Yeah. Anorak. Sorry. That's the word I'm looking for. He's an anorak. (laughs) He's a, he's a true anorak. Well, he's evidently, it's been like 28 years that he's been collecting parts for this. Wow. So I can only imagine what he's got into the cost of all this. So. Yeah. The R18 got finally revealed the production version and it looks pretty mm-hmm. much exactly the way we thought it was going to look. So I don't know if yeah. we need to discuss it too much because we pretty much ripped it a new one last episode. Yeah. yeah. 1800 cc's, 94 horsepower. Um, well, I'm not saying it needed it a lot, but I'm like as big as, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right, Pete. Just, the, the less said, the better on that thing. Yeah. It is what it is, and I'm very interested to have somebody else write it and tell me what it's like. Yeah. I don't really know of anything else new. I think KTM released the 890 Duke. That got started right before everything happened, and and BMW did their 900XR right before all this kind of went down. That's kind of the last new things, I think, that were released. Yeah. Yeah. At the dealership where I got my... This just reminded me of it. The dealership where I got the tires put on my motorcycle. Um, they had a brand new on their showroom floor S1000R for $13,000, which I think the original asking price was something like sixteen five or seventeen right in there. And, mm-hmm. uh, so they had it advertised for 13 and I'm guessing they'd probably take less than that. Pretty good deal on a new S1000R. I don't know if it's, uh, maybe like a last year's model. They're trying I, to still move. I every time I see someone review a BMW motorcycle, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 and you're like, mm-hmm. and then by the time you add the three options you have to have on it, you're yeah. like, yeah. it just it goes from like okay to no, pretty much like yeah. a BMW car, right? They they, yeah. they they get you with that with the base model, but by the time you add four options, it's you know thirty percent more. So right, yeah, very true. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a little weird to see this thing as everything's kind of ground to a halt. So, yeah, for sure. And I've had to unfriend or at least unfollow a surprising number of people on Facebook on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, the yeah amount, I just avoid Facebook of, altogether. I am more and more. It's just becoming really toxic. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not, I'll, you know, there's some little conspiracy stuff going out, but it's mostly just people on both, like you say, both ends shouting into their own echo chambers. And I'm just like, yeah. Really? This is this is what you're spending your energy on right now? Uh-huh. And it's uh, the uh-huh. whole attitude of, and of course you all agree with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not sure there's a whole lot that's going to go on that we can say we're going to talk about next time, because I don't know what's if anything's going to happen in the next month. Yeah. yeah, the world is awful fluid right now, so yeah. we may have a lot to talk about, but we may not have much to talk about. It's, it's yeah. all, a, all a crapshoot right now. Yep. Smack dab is still up in the air. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. That it hasn't been canceled yet. Right. I mean, it's, it's June. Things may be back to normal by June. My fear is places like 
rugby North Dakota are going to be at the tail of the curve. You know, mm-hmm. those small places that are very remote, just like, you know, Kansas City, our peak is this week. They're saying five to seven days are going to be critical for us. Whereas, Garrett, you guys are already probably past your peak because you got hit yeah. earlier in the in the wave. So yeah. I know that these, you know, the, the restaurants and lodging would probably be very thankful for the business if we can do it. But I also don't want to show up with a, hey, uh, I'm going to like convince a hundred people who may have this virus and we're all going to descend on your town for, a, for, for yeah. you know, 24 to 48 hours. So, uh, just be ready. So I, I I'm going to talk to the people in rugby and Smith Center and when we get close to it and say, do you want us to do this or not? It's up to you guys. So yeah, that's, I'm, that's I'm, I'm idea. hoping, I'm hoping you do it. I'm hoping this is all calm down. Because if so, I think I want to reach out to Brianne and, and see if I can arrange to do it on uh, on one of the Enfields. Uh, she did get back with me just yesterday and said, depending on the date, depending on, you know, everything's, again, very fluid. But she said yeah. two to five bucks. They're nice. not They're not going to handle, uh, you know, travel, lodging, anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no, no, no. But they, but, but they can have two to five 650 twins ready to go. So, and I'm, I'm thinking we'd probably have picked those up in Kansas city. The dealer, our our Enfield dealer here in town is also the triumph BMW dealer. And Mm. it's the place that I bought my triumph new in 1980. They're a great dealership. One of those old time dealers that's been around forever and really takes care of people. So I would, I would love to be able to send people there to pick up their bikes. That'd be cool. So yeah, if you can, uh, Cam Vanderhorst, formerly of the Camden Tub podcast, our sister Hooniverse podcast, uh, is I think still planning on driving out and driving his 300 Vespa scooter on it this year. So uh, <laughs> nice. He, he's he's been wanting to do it on his scooter, and quite honestly, a, a 300 Vespa will have no problem doing that. Yeah. The only right. thing is. Might be a little twitchy in the crosswinds. You know, you get a, a gusty 30 mile an hour crosswind with 12 inch tires and you don't have a whole lot of gyroscopic, uh, assistance there. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll call it an episode and we'll be back for episode 101 in a month. Okay. So take it easy. Everybody stay safe. If you're riding, ride carefully. Avoid. Everybody. So long. <laughs>